Good morning and welcome to our service this week here at Arendelle Alliance Church. My name is Pastor Joran Green. I'm the lead pastor here. And for those of you joining us, we're excited to have you worshiping whatever day of the week it is, uh, whatever time it is that you're worshiping with us today. We're excited to have you. This week is a special service. Uh, Dr. Bernie Vanderwall, our district superintendent, is here and will be bringing the word of God to us. And we're very thankful for the ministry God has called him to as he leads if you've got your e-bulletins handy, I'd like to draw your attention to a few announcements before we uh, move to a time of prayer. Reminder, tonight is going to be our annual general meeting. In the email accompanying this service and also in the e-bulletin that went out are the links so that you can properly access uh, that call that will happen tonight at 6.30. Please, if you think you're going to have any difficulty, contact one of us here at the church office uh, this afternoon and we can take steps to make sure that you're going to be on that zoom call we've tried to troubleshoot all the tech of having people in different corners of the city and we're excited to be able to meet together so please be aware you need the password and the access number for that meeting also next sunday june 28th is going to be a communion sunday we're going to do something different for those of you who cannot join us sunday morning next we will have a pre-recorded segment we actually recorded it a few weeks ago and did communion in our homes. We're going to re-show that segment for those of you who cannot join us. And so if it's a Monday or Tuesday, you'll still be able to partake of communion. Plan to have your elements, your, your cracker or your bit of bread and your juice ready for that. But for those of you who are going to be with us on the Sunday morning, the 28th, we're going to try a Zoom communion where we can see one another and we're gonna do it live. Other churches have tried it. The reports have been quite positive. If we don't try it, we don't know if it's going to work. So please bear with us. But again, we will be sending out next week the information to properly get onto that Zoom call. That will be following the service message. That will take place at 12.30, June 28th, for those who want to join us live. And again, you'll need to have both your juice and your bread ready ahead of time as we celebrate communion together where we can see one another. And so if you plan to be there, starting July 5th, we're going to be doing a prayer and fasting workshop. It will happen from 9 till 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, and it will be on Zoom. Please pre-register either at the church office or send me a personal email, and we will add you to the list and send out those invites closer to the 5th of June. The plan is it will take about four or five Sundays one-hour blocks as we explore issues of why do we fast and how do we fast and, and coming to understand it and uh, look towards becoming a church that is actively involved in prayer and fasting. It's part of our regular church life. Please be in prayer for us. Our COVID team has met uh, this week already and has some recommendations for the elders board and we're looking at options. The rules change so rapidly. We recorded that segment with Dr. McBride last week. He recorded it in the morning. In the afternoon, the rules had already changed. The situation is ongoing. But God knows God's in control, and we're continuing to look for ways to honor God, honor one another. So please be in prayer for us, but be mindful. There will be some shifts happening in the next few weeks as we begin to look at what reopening looks like and probably an incremental reopening, but we don't have any details at this time. And the reality is with the way rules change, the best laid plans will probably be changed. So please be patient with us, but be in prayer for us as well. We're excited. I think many of us want to be back together. We want to be fellowshipping in person. 
but we also, in the love of Jesus, need to protect one another. And so we are actively pursuing this. Um, so please be in prayer for us. Finally, last announcement. We have uh, our student ministries have wrapped up until the fall. And a very big thank you to all those who have volunteered. And certainly these last couple of months, student ministry has looked very different than at any other time in human history as we've been meeting online. Thank you for your ministry. Please be in prayer for Pastor Matt and uh, the youth ministry that we'll be looking at for this fall. Please be in prayer for our quizzing program and our various children and youth programs. As we know more, we will bring more information. But at this time, we're asking for prayer with much thankfulness that God has blessed this year. So we go to a time of prayer. I'd encourage you to please keep your eye on your e-bulletins throughout the week as we are doing our best to get some prayer requests before you. We also have prayer chains. And if you'd like to be part of a prayer chain, please let the church office know. But with this in mind, would you bow with me in prayer? Holy God, we thank you that you've called us as a church. You've called us to be your people, your family. You've called us into relationship with you and with one another. Thank you, holy God. And Lord, we thank you that COVID hasn't surprised you, but we ask for wisdom to know what our next steps are to properly honor one another, but to again be together. Lord, I'm so thankful for the season of being reminded how much we need each other. You didn't create us to be alone. You said that to Adam in the garden and nothing has changed. That not only our marriage is created good, but friendship is created good and family is necessary and church is family. Lord, thank you that you've seen fit to give us one another. We commit the plans to you. We think of the COVID team as they're making recommendations and the elders and ask for wisdom for them to know how to proceed. Would you guide that? We think of annual meeting that's coming tonight and we commit that to you as we meet in a way we've never met before for an annual meeting. Would you guide that process? Would you guide our decision-making and our discussion? And Lord, would you bend our hearts towards you, towards you? Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd speak to us that you would mold us as a church body. Lord, we look around our congregation and we're so thankful for what you've given us. We think of student ministry that's just wrapped up and, and thank you for youth group and, and young adults and the ministries that have gone on there and, and quizzing as people have devoted themselves to learning the word of God. We're thankful for our children's programs and Father, as we come into a season where things are a little quieter, we ask for wisdom to know what will September look like even as we ask for refreshing and for empowerment of those who've so faithfully served in our various departments, not only in youth and in quizzing, but so many places in this congregation, people sacrifice weekly for your kingdom. Lord, renew us, recharge us, and Lord, continue to keep our eyes fixed on you, not on what we do, not on, uh, not on reputation, not on our own insecurities, our own fears. But Lord, remind us that when we serve you, it is for your honor and glory, and that you were praised through our work. Thank you, holy God. Lord, we're mindful of Big River Bible Camp as we pray for those who serve you. And we know that Bible camps have had a fairly significant challenge. We pray for safety for them. We pray for the finances, for the projects that are ongoing at Big River, and for wisdom in a season where what they can do with their campers looks totally different than it's been before. Father, would you provide for them? And Lord, would you please be with their staff as well who aren't able to be at camp? I know many camps have 
planned for staff, not just Big River. They hired staff and now they've had to say to the staff that we can't go forward. Lord, would you provide for them? We think of the campers who aren't able to attend and ask for your grace and mercy over them. Lord, we're mindful that the gospel needs to go out and Bible camp has such a significant role in that. We ask that you'd raise up people to share the truth and love with those campers who aren't able to attend Big River and the other Bible camps. That, uh, Lord, that the truth of the gospel would still be shared. Thank you for the John family in India, Father, and ask for your ongoing protection in the season of COVID as it's not only in North America, but China, India, Africa, Lord, this is a global issue and it's affecting our missionaries all over the world. We think of the John family in India in particular with this. Would you provide for their financial and physical safety? Lord, we ask for your grace and your mercy as they interact with the community you've called them to love and to minister with there. That you would spiritually reinvigorate the church members of their congregation, even in a season where there's challenges. And Lord, would you give the John family wisdom to know how to be a part of that? Lord, we trust you for their needs. Uh, be them legal, as it sounds like they've had some challenges over there, or practical, as it sounds like they've got family members who aren't able to travel freely, and so the family's been apart. We commit them to you. Lord, for our own Arendelle family, we're mindful of those who are ill, those who are struggling with health challenges. And Lord, you are the great physician and we ask for your healing. Lord, for those who are struggling with feeling cut off and disconnected because of COVID, would they know the comfort and presence of your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you give us a vision and a dream for who we are as a church, for where we fit in your kingdom, for how we can support other ministries like Big River Bible Camp, the John family, one another, Lord, use us and guide us, we ask, in the name of Christ. And Father, would you be glorified in all that we say and all that we do, not only in this day, but as your people to advance your kingdom. Amen. Before we go to worship, one other announcement. Happy Father's Day. If my father-in-law was still alive, I would be addressing him. He was one of my mentors and one of my trainers when I was first learning to be a pastor. And he passed away a number of years ago and often find myself missing him. But I also know my own father is watching this video and my parents have kind of joined Arendelle Alliance in this season with online services. I know they watch every week. Dad, thank you. I would not be here I would not be the man I am were not for your love and your guidance and your grace. And so to our fathers in the congregation, my own experience of dad is very positive. My dad is a close friend of mine and that became a model for how I fathered my own son. But in Father's Day, to be reminded again, ultimately our father is God and we celebrate our earthly fathers who give us a little better glimpse of who Jesus is and who God the Father is and how significant it was that the Father sent the Son to die for us, that we might live in eternity with Him. So happy Father's Day to our dads.
In honor of Father's Day, we'd like to do my dad's favorite song, My Jesus, I Love Thee. So this one's for you, Dad. Love you.
All right, today we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1, going to verse 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said greetings. They came and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Don't be, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Among the most famous, the most recognizable, and probably one of the most quoted figures of the 20th century was British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. My favorite Churchill quotes include, Politics is more dangerous than war, because in war, they only kill you once. The other is that a fanatic is somebody who can't change his mind and won't change the topic. Perhaps, though Churchill is best known for his quote about never, never, never surrendering. Well, truth be told, that's not exactly what he said. Yet, it's just as surely what he meant. If you ever get a chance to read this speech, you'll be impressed by how many times the word never appears in the text. And consequently, once all is said and done, Churchill's response to the Nazi threat on Britain was absolutely never. In English, and probably in most languages, to repeat a word or a phrase is a very basic way to signal its importance, to talk about its centrality. Every child, of course, picks up on this early. And we can, we can see a play out when they tell you that they really, really, really need something. And, and when they ask you if they can please, please, please have it. Well, the same is true in Scripture. Take, for example, Isaiah 6 or Revelation 4, where the text talks about God as being holy, holy, holy. It's not just saying that, that God is holy, though it's clearly saying that. What it's emphasizing, though, is, is how central, how important, how essential holiness is to the character of God. And as we look at our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, I want us to note not only are there three commands in this passage, in this story, but in this relatively short and relatively action-packed story, each of these commandments is repeated, and I think repeated for emphasis. And it comes across so well that even after almost 2,000 years of history, these commands remain in our memory. 
these commands that is continued to mark to this day and even in our own situation. What lies at the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ? Even for us today in the midst of this COVID chaos. Not only are they still in effect, but they're very, very, very important. And they're really, really, really essential. The first command is to not be afraid. And this command is probably one of the most repeated commands in all of Scripture, and it usually shows up when heaven has arrived, when God has arrived on the scene and has done so in a particularly powerful way and is often associated with moments of great terror or great tragedy or great trouble. It's even a favorite of Matthew. We find it throughout his gospel. We find it early on in chapter number one where the angel appears to Joseph, this guy whose fiance seemingly has been unfaithful to him, and tells Joseph, in spite of all the trouble that's facing him, to not be afraid. We find it a little later, about halfway through the book, where Jesus himself says this to the disciples in the midst of the storm when he walks out on the water to them. And then again we find it in chapter 28, at the end of the story, at the end of the gospel, where we land in this story that we have had read for us just a few moments ago. And in each of these circumstances, being afraid makes all sorts of sense. It's, it's completely reasonable. Yet in this story, both the angel and Jesus start by telling the women, do not be afraid. In the, in the face of naturally terrifying circumstances, they're encouraged not to fear. Now what they experienced was certainly not what they expected, nor really what they signed up for. In the first instance, they expected to arrive to a placid garden to a regular tomb, to a quiet tomb, and to treat a body that would just lay there and mind its own business. Right? It's really a, a picture of tranquility that they expect to, to arrive to. And in the second instance, they see this man. And for them, the, the next man they probably expected to see was one of the disciples. And they weren't ready even to see him just yet. But really what confronted them on the road as they made their way along was, I guess you could say, a case of the walking dead. At the very least, each of these instances would have caught them by surprise. And more likely, what they came upon in each instance was something more than just unexpected, startling, was probably terrifying, an earthquake, an empty tomb, a conversation with an angel, soldiers passed out on the ground, and later on, a man standing whom not that long before they saw tortured, saw him die 
and saw him buried. And so naturally the command, do not be afraid, fits. There was lots of reason to be afraid. And so we might ask the question, why is it so important for us to not be afraid? Why is it so important for them to to not be afraid? Well, I think there's at least two reasons. God. The good God, the loving God, the merciful God was working for good in the midst of and maybe even through this seeming chaos. And the second reason is pretty simple. It'll make fulfilling the second and the third commands possible. The second command, come and see. Knowing that the women had come to tend to Jesus' body, and knowing what they were in that moment witnessing, and knowing that He had just told them some pretty remarkable, some pretty unbelievable things, still the angel says to the women, come and see. I mean, these women were probably pretty sure that they knew where Jesus' body ought to be. After all, these very same women not only witnessed the horror of the crucifixion, but they were there when Joseph of Arimathea laid his body in the tomb. And they were there when he rolled the big stone across the entrance. They had seen it all. They had witnessed it all themselves. Interestingly enough, no one else not even Jesus' closest disciples, witnessed the fullness of the stark reality of Jesus' death and burial in the same way that these women who were in the garden had. And fittingly, as they continued in their vigil, from cross to tomb, these women who had been with Jesus in His darkest hours, would be there to witness the event of the resurrection, His most glorious hour. It's interesting to me, though, if you look at the text closely, that it's not even clear that they actually went in and looked at the tomb. And then next, after they've gone, they meet Jesus on the road and more by his posture than by his words. He too says, come and see. He invites them in. He encourages them to come near. And the word he uses here is not just a greeting of, oh, hi, but it has the same root word. It comes from the same root word as rejoice. Rejoice. So it's a warm welcome. It's a celebratory welcome. It's a welcome that bids the stranger to to come closer. To come and see. And they do so without hesitation. 
They, they could come no closer to Him than they did. They embraced Him. They clung to Him. In the fury and the despondency of life that had surrounded their last days, they grabbed hold of Him most tightly. And given who He is, not only do they cling to Him, but they worship Him. The One who is both resurrected and the resurrection. The One who is both alive and who is the life. They cling to Him. They clutch Him. They draw as close to Him as they possibly could. We might think that this would be a great ending to the story. The epic hero reunited with his most dedicated followers. And yet Jesus, like the angel, doesn't end with, come and see. And it seems that even the women aren't satisfied with come and see. The invitation of the angel the command of Jesus to come and see is just as quickly followed by go and tell. And without giving any reason for the necessity of this next command, why it's so important, both the angel and Jesus follow up the invitation to come and see with the command to go and tell. And the angel even adds force to this command. He says to do it quickly. He adds urgency to this mission. And without hesitation, without question, the women obey and they go. And not only do they leave right away, but the text tells us that they hurried and that they ran. In fact, they go so quickly, as I said before, that it seems like they take the angel's word about the resurrection of Jesus. And they don't seem to even linger long, if even go to the tomb. They simply turn and they go. How quickly do they go from the angel's well, so quickly that there's still a mix of emotions. They didn't wait until they processed everything. They didn't wait until they had it all figured out. They didn't wait until they had all the answers. They didn't even wait until they had calmed down. Not only were they hurrying, not only were they running, they were filled with joy but they were still afraid. You have to admit, that's a pretty strange combination. Joyous and afraid. And so they go. They run, and they continue to run until they see Jesus. And while they stop to be with Jesus, it seems as though it's only for a moment. And rather than allowing them to settle in too comfortably into His presence, He sends them on their way. And just like the angel had before Him, 
Jesus too says to the women, Go and tell. Well, what are they to go and tell? Well, it again would seem from the text that it's pretty simple. They're to go and tell what they've come and seen. That Christ is risen. That He's risen indeed. And even more so, that He looks forward to being with them again. It's been 2,000 years since these events in an obscure garden, in an obscure city, in an obscure kind of day. And yet the commands that both the angel and Jesus gave to these women, these followers, continue to call out to us, to me and to you, in our obscure homes, in our obscure city and towns, on an otherwise obscure kind of day. Don't be afraid. Some of us, especially today, in the midst of global uncertainty, need to hear, maybe again, the exhortation from Jesus and the angel not to be afraid. After all, He is risen. He's risen indeed, and He longs to be with us again. And while the world quakes around us, and while others shake around us, maybe even faint, you need not fear. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. And He longs for and looks forward to being with you again. And even so, just as it was for these two women, for Mary and Mary, if you're experiencing fear, if you're experiencing doubt, if you're experiencing uncertainty or shock or alarm, you don't have to let it, first of all, swallow your joy. We learn from the story that even if uncomfortably or even if only temporarily, even if we're afraid, we can still be joyous. They can actually exist together. But also, don't let anybody tell you that your fear disqualifies your ministry, disqualifies your witness. Both the angel and Jesus, knowing they were afraid, still sent these women to, to tell, to tell what they had seen, to tell about Jesus. And Jesus, who was ready to receive the women and their worship, even though they hadn't wrestled down and eliminated their fear yet, even though all their questions weren't answered, even while their fear still 
lingered. And in turn, Jesus, the Holy One of Israel, was ready to send them as His chosen instruments of good news. Even though their joy, which was real, true joy, at the glory and hope of the risen Jesus, was still mixed with fear. Come and see. Some of us, especially today, need to hear, need to hear again, the command to, to come and see. The invitation of Jesus to come and see. We need to meet, maybe again like the first time, the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus who is still alive. The Jesus who has defeated death, not only for Himself, but also for us. The Jesus who greets us and welcomes us in, even as we're running through the chaos that is our lives. And we need to cling to Him. In the chaos that is our world these days, it quakes around us and others have fallen. We need to cling to Jesus tightly. Cling to Him as though He's not only the one that we love, which I certainly hope He is, but cling to Him as if He were our only hope. Because He is. And of course, like the women, we need to worship Him. We need to express to Him and express to others. Those who we find at His feet with us, and even to a listening world who's not yet there. Not only where our hope is grounded, but that it's Jesus alone who serves as the source of our hope. And then, in closing, we have to go and tell. Some of us, even today, need to obey unhesitatingly and with a sense of urgency the commission that the angel and Jesus gave to go and to tell. We need to tell those who will listen and we probably need to tell those who won't. We need to tell a lost and chaotic and fearful world that He is risen. That He's overcome death. And not just for Himself, but for me, and for you, and for them. We need to go and tell those who will listen. And even those who won't. And what do we tell them? what we have seen. How Jesus has met us in our chaos, in our fear. And how He's met us sometimes even unexpectedly as we've run along the path of our lives. We, we can tell them about how He's met others. And then be sure to tell them how He can meet them too. 
we need to tell them that even today, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And He says, come and see. If the number of hits that this service gets online is any indication, then we're in a time of unprecedented openness and interest in what the church has to say in the message of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I want the last words that you hear from me today to be this. Go and tell. Amen.
with my hair. Yeah. <laughs>